Okay, well this is going to be episode number 20, I believe, and for this one, I'm going to be talking about the um, January 6th Capitol Hill incident, the uh, protest, um, riot, insurrection, nothing burger. That's going to pivot and vary based on, you know, uh, your, your perception of it, which, which uh, varies wildly depending on who you're talking to. It's like as if everybody's looking at the same screen and they're watching different movies you know people they're they're um they're phobiles and their biases and you know and some people are more susceptible to propaganda and dishonest rhetoric than other people and uh you see a lot of people uh processing and taking in this thing very badly you see a lot of just really bad analysis so hopefully so what i'm going to do is i'm going to look look at that event not so much the event itself, that too, but the the fo- focus of this is going to be more on the a Senate hearing that occurred two months after the event, because I think that's much more telling. I think, um, you know, people sort of, when they engage in dishonest rhetoric, it could have the opposite of the desired effect, and uh, when you're dealing in propaganda, you could sort of show your hand when you're not doing it very carefully. So I'm going to be, you know, pushing in that direction. So, okay, so I said the, the two months later after the initial incident, um, there was a Senate hearing. They brought, they handpicked four officers. Two of them were uh, D.C. Metro. Two of them were Capitol Hill uh, sergeants, I believe. And uh, they testified before Senate. Um, another thing I'm going to mention, this happened independently. This happened uh, later, months later. But uh, there was the lieutenant that uh, shot and killed um, Ashley Babbitt. You know, as she was breaching that window and climbing through, he shot and killed her. Uh, he did an interview with Lester Holt that I thought was pretty ridiculous, and I'll be talking about that. And then, finally, uh, Chris, the director of the FBI, uh, Christopher Ray, also, uh, he did like three and a half hours of uh, questions and answers and, you know, a three and a half hour deposition, and I'm going to be mentioning that, too. So, okay, to start with... Um, uh, on a previous episode, I talked about uh, the the one titled uh, "Climate Assault." I talked about just how corrupt, you know, uh, federal law enforcement was. And one thing that I blo- brought up was the Whitmer uh, kidnapping plot, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot. I believe she's the uh, uh, governor of uh, Michigan. Um, as soon as I read that headline, I'm not even I'm not even shitting you. The second I read the headline that there was a Gretchen Whitmer um, kidnapping plot. I immediately thought to myself, that's bullshit. I thought nobody, I said nobody but the FBI, but an FBI agent somewhere plotted to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. And they went out and they got some, you know, half-wit, right-wing crazies, you know, uh, uh, mental defects, you know, they, some uh, Appalachian inbreds or something like that. And uh, they got those people to, they ensnared those people to go in with them on it, and that's what's really going on. So I was thinking, you know, an F- a FBI, undercover FBI agent, and a handful of FBI assets, you know, two or three. Okay, here's how right I was about that, okay? Of the 18 kidnapping plotters, 12 of them, let me repeat that, 12 of the 18 kidnapping plotters were either undercover FBI agents or FBI assets, you know, aka informants, all right? That only leaves six additional bodies. So, and five of those are still pending. Only one guy pled out because it's exactly like I said, his uh, his legal defense was, you know what, this guy, we're claiming he has a sub-70 IQ. 
This is a guy that literally can live in a care home if that's what he wanted to do. So he really doesn't have a, you know, how, 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 just how capable is this guy of doing anything? And that's what I said. I said they're going to go out and they're going to round up a bunch of, you know, mental defects, you know, dumb people because they're, they're desperate. They're desperate to, uh, you know, they've done such a, you know, and maybe here's what's going on with the FBI. If they did such a great job with the jihadis that now they're facing an existential crisis because, you know, if they don't uh, conjure, if they don't come up with a, with a new boogeyman, you know, how are they going to justify their existence and how are they going to justify their funding? So that's what it looks like to me. So anyway, the, the way that the Gretchen Whitmer plot uh, pinged my uh, BS detector with the Capitol Hill uh, incident and then observations I made after the fact, and then especially that Senate hearing, it set off seismic waves of, of BS detection. It was like, okay, this is completely ridiculous. This is so partisan. This is such ridiculous, you know, propaganda. It's just, it's sickening. Okay, so with that, let's uh, go into the uh, Senate hearing. There's four officers, uh, two of them, Daniel Hodges, and I think it was a Michael Fanone, and they were both um, DC Metro. And then there was a, a guy from Dominican Republic. His last name was Ganell. I forget his first name. And then there was Harry Dunn, big heavy set. Uh, and both uh, Ganell and Harry Dunn with the Capitol Police. And that's a flexible definition of the word police. I consider them more like, you know, um, port police or campus police. They're more, really more security guards. They're hanging around in case anything happens, and they, are, they will muster when there is a, you know, crowd control, uh, uh, you know, flare-up. And that's, you know, so they, they really don't do a whole lot. They don't investigate anything. They don't write crime reports. They don't do anything useful but, but guard the grounds, basically. And I'm not saying that derisively. I'm just saying that, you know, it is what it is. So I'm going to start with Hodges. Hodges was the guy. Um, I really don't have much to criticize with his uh, with the deposition he gave. Um, one thing that I did notice is that... Uh, and it, Okay, so grossly, when you consider all four of the depositions that they gave... It played a lot like propaganda, okay, because it is like as if they, they all sat down and wrote separate reports, and then they put these guys together with a writer or a team of writers, you know, propagandists that said, okay, we're going to use this word instead of this word. This needs a little bit of tweaking. Why don't you add this? Because it, if, if, if you think that I'm just projecting this, then get onto YouTube and check out the, these depositions yourself. But uh, Hodges was actually pretty solid. Um, he had a, a hell of a story to tell. He was the worst for wear, you know. He had a really bad day. He was the guy that you saw footage where he's kind of trapped in a door and someone has their hand on his face and he's screaming for help. And it looks like it was probably not a lot of, you know, airflow in there and probably wasn't a lot of oxygen. And, you know, the guy's not in great shape. He doesn't exercise. You could see that. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was probably very unpleasant. And he was he was caught in the trenches, so you know I I, I respect the guy for that. Uh, his part of it really it, it rang pretty true. I was like, yeah, you know that guy that guy had a bad day, whatever. Okay, then let's move move along here. Gunnell, the uh, the Dominican guy, he had a really kind of a thick Latino accent. The um, okay, he was reading uh, ostensibly his report that he wrote. 
and he was murdering the verb conjugations, which is, you know, that's a, a you know, language barrier, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Um, he was, he didn't understand the words that he had presumably written down. Like at one point he said, in subvert, he said these people were there to in subvert the government, you know, the, the process of the government or something like that. Okay, someone like you doesn't understand what that means, okay? And you just, instead of saying subvert, you just said insubvert, which isn't a word, and you're, you're reading a prepared statement. You're literally reading words off of, off of paper that's in front of you. So I wasn't too impressed with that. Also, what I was less impressed with than his, than his you know, um, language barrier was he was talking about the emotional injuries he sustained that day, okay? And then he said this. He said, I could have lost my life not once, but many times that day. I could have lost my life not once, but many times. Which, you just, you sound like an idiot. That's just, that, that's, that's your attempt at propaganda, but it just sounds like half-wit swill, you know? And, uh, okay, so me as a police officer, I was a police officer for close to 26 years. If, you know, when we're talking shop or I'm telling stories or whatever, and, you know, I'm saying this to my friends and the people that know me. If I ever start talking about my emotional injuries, you have my permission to bitch slap me as hard as you can right on the spot. Okay. Because I have no business talking about ever talking about my emotional injuries. You wear a uniform, you have a badge, you have a certain amount of esteem and respect. And well, you know, what kind of uh, what kind of failing society are we in? That guys that wear, you know, uh, uh, law enforcement uniforms are talking about their emotional injuries that they sustained in a single day. So I wasn't too impressed. I, you know, whatever. So then uh, let's move on to Harry Dunn. Harry Dunn, he was maybe the most ridiculous of them. He was the most, you know, attempting propaganda. He, he started uh, philosophizing in the middle of his... Uh, of his deposition, he started explaining that, you know, based on his experience as a, as, a, as a cop, that if you hire a hitman to go kill somebody, then you're just as guilty as the hitman is, something like that. And then he, he, um, he sort of, uh, he sort of uh, suggested that Donald Trump had sent all those people there to kill him. So I guess by his logic, Donald Trump should be charged with a homicide and, you know, thrown in jail or something like that. So r real mature, real good stuff. Another thing that he said was that um, some Trump supporters, you know, with the MAGA hats and everything, had, uh, were calling him the N-word. And then he went on to say at one point that he was called the N-word a couple of dozen times that day. A couple of dozen times, let's just say 20, 24. Okay, I'm not sure what that means. But, um, okay, so Capitol Police, so immediately when you hear that, you think, oh, body cams, right? There's surveillance everywhere. Literally everywhere, there, there's cameras, okay? And there's cell phone cameras, and the Trump supporters are recording everything that they're doing, and some of the Trump supporters are going to have their little body cams. And uh, you think that if any Trump supporter or anybody with a MAGA hat or anybody waving a Blue Lives Matter flag or an American flag or anything like that was on video or audio dropping N-bombs on this guy, you know it would lead the news cycle for about a month. So I'm like, I don't know about this. I might, I might call BS on this one because even if you guys don't have body cams, you're side by side with DC Metro. You were close enough to Daniel Hodges to see everything that was going on with the guy. They have body cams. And like you're the only black guy out there, 
No, of all the hundreds of officers out there, what, maybe one in four, one in three of them are black? And for some reason, they were just picking on you? And, okay, so how capable are the people that showed up to that, that, that protest or riot capable of dropping N-bombs? I hardly ever hear anybody outside of hip-hop music or something like that ever, ever say the N-word. Um, as a matter of fact, okay, let, let me relate this back to my own experience. I, I don't have much respect for his allegation because as a police officer, the same, um, the same allegation has been leveled against me that, you know, oh, I was dealing with this, this African-American citizen and I called him the N-word. Okay, throughout my career, I would say somewhere between 30 and 50 times I've been accused of that, probably closer to 30. And it's important to note that this would have happened much earlier in my career. So 27 years ago when I started, it was a much more common claim. And that probably has something to do with technology because there's less surveillance and there's, there was less surveillance back then. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, cell phones didn't have the ability to record and, you know, things like that. So people would just make up generic, stupid, you know, uh, claims, and you, you just have to deal with it. Okay, so of the 30 times, 30 or 50 times that I'd been accused of that, this uh, much more of them happened earlier in my career than later. Important to point out. And, um, yeah, I think with all of the surveillance out there, all the cell phones that were recording, all the independent journalists that were out there, um, all the body cams from the D.C. Metro and, uh, and, you know, mutual aid agencies... You think that if he had been called the N-word a couple of dozen times that day, there'd be some evidence of it. And if there was evidence of it, unless the FBI is playing the long game and they're, and they're trying to trap, you know, uh, uh, let's say bloggers or, you know, independent journalists like me, if that's what you want to call it, um, you know that would have led the news cycle. So then let's get to the last one. Um, Fanon, Michael Fanon. This one was pretty interesting. He's the guy that, that got really heated, and he pounded his hand on the table, and those, there's, there's uh, politicians out there that are denying that this thing happened, and he's, getting, he's being kind of an idiot. And uh, he was the guy that was uh, pulled into the crowd, and he was like body surfing for a while. And apparently he'd been tased a couple times and exposed to bear mace. And, you know, he didn't have a very good day either. I don't, I'm sympathetic to that part of it, okay? But here's the interesting part. Well, he's doing all this body surfing, and he's, you know, um, he's, he gets drug, drug into the crowd. At some point, a couple of guys that look exactly like tactical operators, um, they help him up, they lift him up. I think I, they shouldn't have even showed this, this footage, okay, at the Senate hearing, because it was very incriminating, in my opinion. It's obvious what was going on. Uh, they have a squeeze bottle with milk, they have a towel, and they have a military-grade uh, gas mask. So they flush his face repeatedly, they wipe his face off with a towel, they with expert precision and experience fit this gas mask onto his face, and then they escort him back to the front of the skirmish line to safety. Okay, we now know that the FBI had assets, you know, I, I doubt they'd be dumb enough to put uh, undercover FBI officers, you know, in the, you know embed them in the, in the mob. Uh, well, actually they did. They, they did have tactical teams that were embedded in the mob, that were armed to the teeth, because what if these crazy Trump supporters, these crazy QAnon people, start pulling out guns and shooting? Then you need, you need a, uh, you, more than snipers, you're going to need people on the ground to deal with that shit. So there were, in fact, tactical operators, and we know that the, they had, they had um, 
FBI informant slash assets embedded in the crowd because they have the, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and all these right-wing um, groups thoroughly infiltrated. So what percentage of them are actually, you know, have been turned state's evidence and they're, and they're testifying against each other and they're, they're acting as FBI assets? Um, so what was it, Ray Epps? They're making a, 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 you know, a lot of hay about that guy. Okay, there was, there was many Ray Epps. They had matching, matching uh, uh, what do you call it? megaphones. Okay, so, so yeah, the FBI was very present. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that's starting to emerge that the FBI basically spearheaded this thing. They caught wind of it, and they were going to make maximum, you know, take maximum advantage of it, and they were going to foment much of the violence, and it was guys with, like Ray Epps, that had megaphones that were saying, we're going inside the Capitol, we're getting in there, we're going we're gonna to breach... I'm going to whisper instructions to this guy over here to take down, take down all the barricades. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, very much, it's obviously, there's false flag issues here with the, with the federal law enforcement. So then let's move on to the next one. I think it was a Lieutenant Christopher Byrd. He's the one that shot Ashley Babbitt. Um, I, ta- I spoke about this on uh, previous, on that, that same one, uh, climate assault uh, episode. And I said, basically, you know what, if, if, you have a, a, a marauders at the gate, you know, you have berserkers, you know, breaching the, the building and you, you have all your, the, the uh, elected officials that you're expected to protect. You're going to take a barbarians at the gate posture and you're going to put somebody down. So I'm really not surprised that, that happened. And I'm not, there's probably really specific rules of engagement, you know, when it, when it comes to that stuff. So at the time, I didn't have a problem, and I still don't have a problem with Christopher Byrd taking the action that he did. I feel horrible for Ashley Babbitt. Um, I think uh, we've been allowing too much of this BLM, Antifa, cosplay, bullshit nonsense to go on for so long. So people think that it's cosplay. They don't know that it's real life, and you know she was the one that fell victim to that. And uh, you got to feel bad for her. But here's the... Okay, so Christopher Byrd, Lieutenant Christopher Byrd, did an interview did some media with Lester Holt, okay, and I watched the interview, and he said, okay, I had to, he said something about his incredible courage, he said, I had incredible courage that day, okay, no, you didn't have incredible courage, buddy, you did what needed to be done, okay, it's disgraceful, it wasn't incredible courage, it was disgraceful, okay, but you had to do it, so I guess in some in some perverse way you can kind of call that courage. It's not incredible courage. It's disgraceful courage. Okay, maybe it was necessary. Maybe it wasn't. Wouldn't. Maybe it wasn't. I can't imagine that I would have shot Astley Babbitt in the same set of circumstances. But then again, my experience is different than his experience. He's given different marching orders from me. You know, who knows? And then at another part during the interview with Lester Holt, he said, "I saved countless lives." I saved countless lives. Okay, I don't know about that. Um, no one was killed. I mean, okay, you killed someone. Uh, a couple of the a couple of the rioters died, um, but you know, it, it's not like the attackers uh, inflicted any fatal casualties in any constructive or, or or you know, any way you frame it, that did not happen. Okay, so you, d- you didn't save countless lives. You sound like an idiot. Uh, again, what, maybe what he did was 100% necessary. I'm not faulting that part of it. But to say you had incredible courage, you told that to Lester Holt, and you, say you've ca- you saved countless lives, you sound like a lowlife. All right? Uh, okay, and so I said they didn't, uh, the, the, the attackers didn't 
inflict any fatal um, casualties. Okay, which brings us to Brian Sicknick. Okay, he's in some ways the whole the, the the linchpin to all this. There was reporting the next day that Brian Sicknick was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. Brian Sicknick was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. It made people super pissed. It galvanized a bunch of opposition to Trump and Republicans and MAGA and American flags and all of that shit. Okay. And it was 100% false. It never happened. Okay. So then they tweaked the story to say, okay, well, yeah. Okay. Oh, and then, okay. It's important to note a spokesman for Capitol Police, as soon as that, you know, came out in the press, they immediately... Um, responded and said, we don't, that's misinformation. He died of a stroke last night, and we don't know how that misinformation came to light. We don't know who reported that. We don't know who sourced it. We have no idea. That's not what happened. So then the media runs with, okay, well, he was bear sprayed, and that contributed, that was likely the cause of the stroke. Well, no, that was nonsense too. There was no indication that he, that he was bear sprayed. He had several, um, Conversations Brian Sicknick did with uh, a concerned family, and he said he was doing just fine, and you know it was rough, but this and that, and it, no no anecdotal evidence at all that he had been that he'd been bear sprayed. If anything, he may have been pepper sprayed. He may have been exposed to pepper spray, and they're aggressively investigating the the, the person who may have done that. Okay, so um, this takes us to I'm going to talk about Project Mockingbird. Okay. Um, the Brian Sicknick thing, very specific. Somebody who is a trusted source to, to the mainstream media told the media this. That's the only way it could have been reported, okay? And then when asked to clarify, that same source um, pivots and says, oh, well, he was exposed to bear spray, and that's obviously why he had a stroke. Okay, that, that's, that's dishonest propaganda. That is uh, media manipulation, okay? Um, the CIA has a word. They, they actually they call it Project Mockingbird. They have propaganda. They have expert propagandists that will circulate misinformation to achieve their objectives and to you know put their put their 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 uh, uh, causes in a positive light. Okay. Now it is naive to think that the FBI doesn't have something very similar. Um, they've been uh, there's been a lot of dishonesty, especially lately, especially during the Trump years some very suspect behavior going on in, uh, in federal law enforcement. And, uh, of course, they were responsible for that misinformation. Who else would it have been? Who else did the main, mainstream media trust enough to print it? Which takes us to Christopher Ray's uh, three-and-a-half-hour deposition. I don't think I watched all of it, but I watched some of it. Okay, now, here's how committed the Republicans are to... Um, to getting to the bottom of this, okay? They send Chuck Grassley. That's the that's the Republican who's going to speak truth to power and put Chris Ray on the hot seat. Well, Chuck Grassley is 88 years old, okay? And I'm sure he's a solid dude, but he's 88 and he's not a spry 88. He looks and sounds like he's 98. And they sent him there for a reason. Republicans aren't remotely interested in getting to the bottom of this. Um, they don't want to piss off the FBI. They know the risks of, of, of getting the intel community, you know, on, on, to get on the bad side of the intel community. So they sent 88-year-old Chuck Grassley, who mumbled some things at Chris Ray, and, and it, was, it, was, it was pretty ridiculous. But Chris Ray took that opportunity to say that, okay, we're never going to know, or we're, we're, I can't 
comment on the Brian Sicknick thing because it's still pending, which is, you know, shady people in law enforcement. I've, you know, if I was really facing the music and I had to use that one, I might. But they're they're really wearing that shit out. Everything is still pending. So whatever they feel like talking about, they're going to they're going to talk their hearts out and everything that they every subject that they'd rather avoid. They're just going to say, oh, well, it's still pending. The investigation is still open, so I really can't comment on it, which is convenient, okay? But um, Director Ray uses that opportunity to talk about how this white supremacist thing is really blowing up, okay? Now, that's going to, I'm going to, again, I already mentioned that they've done such a great job with the jihadis that they need to conjure up and, and create another, you know, boogeyman, and their thrust is this white supremacist thing. I don't think these people are white supremacists. I think a lot of them are just like QAnon, Trump follower, little fringy, but, you know, no no, no real credible or serious threat here. But they're going to spin it that way. To, again, they don't want their funding cut, so they're gonna, they want their funding increase, so they're going to have to come up with a new boogeyman. That's my take on it anyway. And I'll have an excellent example of that. Recently in the media, okay, um, the national... Uh, the, the biggest teachers union in the in the nation, okay, they had parents showing up, you know, that tend to lean right, you know, Republican, conservative, that sort of thing, showing up to uh, school board meetings and raising hell, nothing violence, they're not bringing any guns, there's no threats, there's nothing like that, they're just kind of, you know, speaking uh, uh, some coarse language and raised voices and things like that, but they're complaining about the lockdowns and they're complaining about critical race theory. So... Federal law enforcement contacts the union and prompts them to write the DOJ a letter saying, um, we are going to use, a, no, okay, they prompt the union, the teachers union, to write a letter to DOJ asking the DOJ to use the Patriot Act, which is supposed to be used against jihadis and terrorists and after 9-11, to use the Patriot Act against the parents uh, that are showing up to these school board meetings. Okay, and then a source within the FBI leaked that any names that they get from the teachers' unions, they're putting threat tags on. So they're, they're, they're calling the parents that show up to these school board meetings, right-wing, you know, white supremacist terrorists, and then Chris Ray has data. Now Chris Ray is able to say, oh yeah, you know, uh, the, the, you'd be amazed. You know, that the number of white supremacists, you know, right wing, uh, uh, you know, uh, extremists is really growing. That list is getting longer all the time. Well, yeah, when you put threat tags on parents that are showing up to school board meetings. Yeah. Yeah. You just manipulated the data. You've just changed the aggressively changed the framing to, uh, you know, to, to, to further your cause. Surprise, surprise. So anyway, um, uh, I, you know, like I said, the Whitmer thing went down. I was like, bullshit. It's absolutely full of shit. And this uh, January thing, same thing, just on a much bigger um, scale. And the scale of the, of the, of the, the BS and the, the dishonest rhetoric and the Brian Sicknick thing. That's the linchpin right there. That's the, that's the dead giveaway. But, um... Yeah, Daniel Hodges, uh, Metro um, PD, uh, gave pretty solid, um, pretty solid deposition. Can't really fault a lot. Gunnell sounded like a like a half-wit idiot. Dunn sounded like a low life. Fanon was oh, and he happens to be oh, Fanon. His parents happen to be uh, Democrat uh, donors. 
and he happens to be friend with Don Lemon from CNN. Hmm, that's weird. Oh, and now Fanon is on a media tour where he's talking about how, uh, you know, Ilhan Omar is just misunderstood and she's not anti-police at all. She said she called for the complete uh, uh, disbanding of the Minnesota police. But she's not, poli- you know, so, so obviously, yeah, he's a, he's a political operative. He's not a real cop. And real cops don't talk about their emotional injuries. They don't talk about their incredible courage. They don't talk about how they saved countless lives. And if any of my buddies hear this and you ever hear me say that again, bitch slap me as hard as you can because I I will deserve it. Um, And that's it. I just, that's my, uh, that's my analysis. And uh, I think I'll leave it there. Thanks.